Oh, the day is red and the fish is dead. Uh, oh, where did it go from there? Ah. Baby eager. <laughs> and the dust finally settles on a bed full of nettles. Yeah, there you go. Bravo! <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> thank you, thank you. Don't forget to tip your weight staff. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It's TalkCast 160. Tonight, we're talking horror with Rob Watts. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 451, book-burning and fried green tomato body wrap pavilion. I am the dome. <clears throat> wow. Throat thing happening. Here. Well, apparently my computer has forgotten that it has a headphone jack. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> Working well tonight. Joining the TalkCast tonight are many of the usual suspects. In the Revere Time Vortex, Violent Soundboard Vixen and Queen of Petroleum Byproducts, Kriana. What up? From the stacks of the personal silent zone in the Dank Dungeon Reading Room, Cool Calm and a Hacking Wet Cough, it's Zombrarian. Kill all dentists. We just lost someone. Hmm, I wonder who that was. Uh, Seriously? Seriously, I think we did. Seriously. And I think we lost the Outpost Gallifrey Nymphomaniac Catch and Release Center of Virgins. Oh, that was just mean to start his intro while he's not actually on. Try I know. Yeah, That's you the best part. can't hear me. Yes, yes we can, can hear, hear you, you, actually. Yes, we can. Well, kind of, anyway. It's like that campaign slogan. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. It's the Hawkeye of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, Awake by Java. Now we can't. <laughs> Damn it. Hmm. Okay, it's going to be one of those nights, isn't it? Our guest tonight from the world of creepy fiction, <laughs> it's, Rob. it's Rob Watts. Rob, welcome to the show once again. What is up, guys? Oh, I wish we knew. Yeah. <laughs> We are. We're all sick and we're all partying, so yeah, we're in good shape. <laughs> Rob is here to talk about his new book, and we are going to get to that in the second half hour. It is Crab Apples. It is the kind of sequel to the book Hold the Folk, which I really enjoyed. And we're going to talk about Crab Apples and how it's kind of a sequel and yet kind of not, and yet kind of kind of the same. Do you have anything so else to say about it other than it's not really a sequel? Personally, professionally, or what? No, not right now. Okay. I'm, I'm saving it for the show. Ah, the show's on right now. So, yeah. Okay, no. Well, I'll <laughs> save it for the second half. <laughs> Which leads us to what's happened this week. Did we really lose him again? 
Yeah, we just did. Fantastic. <laughs> Java! You're on once a month. I feel like we lost Java years ago. I know. It has, it has something to do with the medication, but what the hell. So anyhow, uh, while we're waiting to see if we're actually going to get him back this week or not, um, what do we want to talk about? Um, <laughs> stuff. Stuff, like American Horror Story getting renewed for a third season and becoming so creepy I can't watch it. On all fronts. What so, made, what made it so creepy been... that you can't watch it? Was it the Nazi doctor? Yeah, Who I mean, looks you know, they really familiar. They went to a place that I just found creepily unacceptable. <laughs> you know, you know, he looks kind of like this dead uncle of mine. <laughs> no comment. You know the one that died in the war? Yes, I know that one. Yes. I, I think we best leave that one alone right now. <laughs> For but some I mean, reason, really, it reminds keep... me of pigs and sheep. I don't know why. I don't know why either. I mean, it's just, it's, it, every time I think they can't get it any weirder. Yes, they can. They do. It's Ryan and... Murphy. Never tell him that he can't get something weirder because he'll find a way. Wow. I mean, so just take a look three... at Lee. Is season three going to follow the same kind of um, formula where it's a yes. whole new story, but same whole but new story, cast? many of the same actors? Yeah, the plan is that for as long as they're going to let him do it, every season will be a self-contained storyline that has nothing to do with anything else. Nice. I actually feel like that's good for Ryan Murphy because he can't do a continuous storyline. It's like he doesn't know how. Like on Glee, where Frank yes. and Teen takes over for Frank and Teacher. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's a whole other, whole other silliness. And there was a whole Kriana episode about Kriana is bitter about pants. Glee, and I feel like she feels the need to talk about it. A little. <laughs> a little bitter. A little bitter? Just a little, huh? Slightly. How am I going to make a car fly on stage? Uh, Any Frankentine. Because, <laughs> like, all right, all right, all right. No look. bitterness there, is there? Look, there Finn is. is a loser, and he keeps trying to make him not a loser, and then being like, well, no, actually, no, he fails at that. He is a loser. and But he keeps trying to not be a loser when he should just, like, bite the bullet and just kill himself. Because he can't sing. Well, you can't bite the bullet and kill yourself. Well, you bite the bullet while you're killing yourself. And then you yourself. kill yourself, yes. Yeah. Uh, so speaking uh, of things that are for people that are younger than we are. <laughs> but that have somehow become for people who are the same age as we are. Which is um, very scary. Yes, A go group on. of people got together... And made the most amazing fake trailer I've ever seen for the feature film The Magic School Bus Goes to Hell. Oh no. <laughs> it's great. It's absolutely awesome. Um the they have nailed all of the characters so hard. Um like really, they're banging them right now. They're banging them right now. Um <laughs> No, but it was like this nostalgia combined with this really funny moment combined with literally Miss Frizzle dies and oh, no. <laughs> they have to go 
on one la- they have to find the bus and go on one last field trip to get her out of hell. It's just like Bill and Ted go to hell. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Liz the lizard makes a cameo has a cameo appearance. It's wonderful. If by wonderful you mean not that wonderful. No, it's wonderful. <laughs> What's the opposite of wonderful? And Ralphie's wonderful. in charge of everything. Oh Lord. And Arnold stays home that day from the funeral. <laughs> okay, that just sounds okay, that's that's creepy to a level that uh that American horror story doesn't go to, but See, what? I told you there can there's always more. Evidently. There's always creepier. Next next um, season is going to be American Horror Story inside Arnold. Yikes. American Horror Story Magic School Bus. Yeah. Oof. Ooh. 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 <laughs> you know, Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers film just came up with a very, very interesting take on... The person whom you're trying to reach is currently unavailable. Well, Please leave a message. Happened there, in any case. Something happened there, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, there's a whole lot of uh, what are called less commercially viable films, i.e. films that they can't make a crap load of money of by turning them into Blu-ray. And uh, who makes what, a crap load of anything by turning anything into Blu-ray? Well, uh, the, the major movie studios still are. Blu-ray is dead. So, yeah, tell that to Warner Brothers. I will. Where are I think they? you just did. Uh, there's Yakko, Wacko. They're counting and, the money from all the Blu-ray that they're selling. Ah. So, Warner Brothers Films has just opened a new storefront on the web called Warner Archives. And what it does is allow less, quote, commercially viable films to be manufactured on an on-demand basis. Okay. And films that have not heretofore been available in any electronic format are now being made available at approximately $21.99 for a Blu-ray disc. Or on Usenet. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of stuff that still isn't available there as well. So the interesting thing from my well, like what, Dom? What kinds of things are going to be made available? Uh, Tell us about these less commercially viable films. Death Trap with Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve. Never heard of it. Of course. Why would you? Or 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 or, or, or Gypsy with Natalie Wood and Rosalind Russell. Never heard of it. Oh, is that the one with Bette Midler? <laughs> no, dear. That was the remake. Oh, that one's better. Yeah. Anything with Bette Midler is better. <gasps> American Horror Story Season 3, now with Bette Midler. <laughs> uh, Bette Midler and Jessica Lange. Yes! And Slang. We've been pronouncing it wrong the whole time. Slang? It is yes, Lang. It's always been Lang. Oh. And, so and who played Q-Dome? Um, 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 uh, Jan Michael Vincent, but that's oh. okay. So we apologize to Jessica Lang. 
Or Jessica Lange, either one. Or Jessica Lange. One of those. And submit Bette Midler as the addition to the cast next week. So for those of us who are still using Blu-ray players, uh, the tens of hundreds of thousands of us, millions of us worldwide. Not even millions. Oh, of course not. No, seriously Uh, not. (laughs) Where would you like to take us there, Kriana? I would like to take you on a magical mystery tour. Okay. Of, I, I I don't know, what do you want to talk about? I don't even have to. I want to talk about how awesome Joss Whedon is. Okay, that's oh, well, good. Oh, we know that. We yeah. can always talk about that. Because, well, despite okay, there are so many reasons that I have recently said that Joss Whedon is awesome. I don't know if you saw his uh, public service announcement for yes, the. Yes, yes, we talked election. about that for sure. Yeah, that was hilarious. Totally. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, and of course, there's all of the stuff that he's currently making including shield which looks horrible really it really looks horrible from from what i can see um doesn't sound interesting at all but um do i detect a hint of sarcasm no actually that's uh, my actual opinion it looks super boring um what isn't boring is all of the references that i caught while watching castle not this week but last week because castle went to a sci-fi con <laughs> and it was glorious that was that was maybe the second best episode of castle ever and that just we show from 10 years best. ago <laughs> i think i think it bumps that halloween episode really I no i don't think it does because there were in- more references in the first five minutes of this episode then and then they continued like they continued the thread, but he was in the but space cowboy. I know, but he was a space cowboy. But Come on, space yeah. cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but- so speaking of brown coats and Joss Whedon, you know what we forgot to put on the list of things to talk about? Um, that it's the tenth year anniversary of Firefly. Yeah, and Science <laughs> Channel's Brown Coats Unite special. Yeah, I've got it in my iTunes right now, ready to watch. It was it was actually kind of a lame special. I expected there to be a lot more. Well, first of all, I expected the actual whole cast to be there. Yes. Number one, and not not that I am like pouting about the cast who were there or did participate but weren't in the roundtable. But it it would have been cooler to get them all back together again, and then um just it was it was really much shorter than I anticipated. There just wasn't necessarily a lot there. Like, you were hearing things about whole cast, and we're gonna show the whole panel from San Diego. Oh, oh, oh. And they showed about five minutes five of minutes. the panel. Yeah, yeah, it was not the whole panel. It was, it was depressing. Although, they did show them crying about it, and that was adorable. True. It was really cute. And, and, and then, I loved, I loved the part when Gina Torres goes... There's nothing like a sci-fi fan. It's like warm honey. It's like <laughs> all over you, and I was like, "Hello, I'm <laughs> can we rewind and watch that a couple more times? Like fifty or a hundred? <laughs> but you know who is conspicuous in his absence? There were two people I felt were very conspicuous in their absence from the majority of the special. One was Joss Whedon, 
who was obviously busy. But still. And they showed him at the panel, but it was weird that they didn't get anything more from him for it. Yeah, everyone kind of talked about him, but the elephant in the room was he wasn't there. Yeah. And the other one was Ron Glass. Yeah. Like, everybody was talking about their favorite scenes and their favorite episodes. And there he was, showing up in the clips over and over and over again. And no one said anything about why he wasn't there. Does anybody know know why he wasn't there? No. This might be exactly like... And that's probably the reason why I liked the episode of Castle so much. Was it really did kind of give you more, I mean, not like we haven't seen this done over and over again, but insight into what people's lives are like after something like Firefly. Um, I mean, it was a direct correlation. It was like, uh, you know, this one, the the show, the fictional science fiction show in the fictional detective show uh, was a one hit wonder, one season Right, 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 right. And and the same thing is true for Firefly, and and that's why the references were so apt all over the place. Um, And and a lot of those people have really moved on. Not Ron Glass, but a lot of people have... Yeah, definitely not Ron Glass. Well, that was the other thing. He hasn't really done much since then at all. No. We know that they killed him in the movie because he had said that if the show came back, he would not be returning. Do Um, we know that? Where's your source on that? Because you have some dubious sources there, sweetheart. (laughs) Just say the internet. True. The internet tells me that the reason Joss killed the the two characters he killed in the movie was because both actors said they would not be back. Well, I mean, especially Nathan Fillion has good things going right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gina Torres has good things going. She's in a couple of shows, I think. I mean, Alan, Jane, Alan Tudyk yeah. is in Suburgatory, isn't he? Yep. And, yes, he uh, is. Jane has been doing, you know, shows all over the place. Yeah, he has. Adam He's Hoffman. always been in everything, though. Like, every time I watch a movie from when I was a kid... All you realize he was in it, TV. yeah. I know. Oh, you know who? Oh, we were watching. Uh, uh, somebody sent us. My girlfriend's sister sent us a um, video, a music video, and I forget which one it is. But guess who is right there in the middle of it? Sawyer from uh, Lost. Just oh, God. right in the middle of this. <laughs> was it? it was some. It's the Pet Shop Boys. No. What? Music video. She's going for a generic music video. Yeah, okay. Anyway. I'm finding the the video. Hold on. We need to share it. Somebody cover for Java, quick! Hmm. I can cover for myself. He can cover himself up, thank you. <laughs> who needs who needs to cover yourself up on po- a podcast? It's true. Yeah. I'm pants, not wearing any pants right now. Pants are optional, <laughs> and pants are also optional when it comes to George Clooney. Oh, I miss your wow. segues, Java. I miss your segues because the the <laughs> lovely eyes of George Clooney are making their way to 
all kinds of neat projects. Uh, and one of the more interesting ones is this uh, movie 1952, or the this project 1952, which is vaguely happening under Disney's roof, but maybe not. No one really knows. Okay, uh, so what's, what's the idea behind the project? Uh, no one knows, but it is definitely a sci-fi flick, uh, and um, it's being done by Brad Bird, um, and it's got a script with some of the guys from Fringe, and it's very hush-hush. All right, all right. Every time you say Brad Bird, I seriously think of Brad Goreski as a, a drinking birdie. <laughs> Like with the big glasses and like. Why? I don't Why? know. I, okay. It's not rational. I think it's the Nyquil talking. <laughs> Maybe it is. Brad Bird is uh, was the guy who was he was on the senior creative team for Toy Story three and Up. He was on The Simpsons for a long time. King of the Hill. Blah blah blah. Wow, all things that I either hate or don't watch, except. For but his Simpsons. biggest things lately have been Mission Impossible stuff. So, you know, he's he's got a he's got a pretty good. Wasn't it the last two Mission Impossible movies? Mm-hmm. Ghost Protocol and the one before that. Yeah, he was also a writer on The Incredibles, The Iron Giant. God, I just hate Pixar so much. <laughs> Ratatouille, they're so good. Oh my I love God. Pixar. Kill me now. Toy Story Three is amazing. Kill me, just just kill me. Dan, remember how we were talking about how sometimes you would like to have human emotions? No. Actually, you know, speaking of Toy Story 3, I, I saw this really funny internet video the other day about Toy Story 3. This guy pranked his mom and and recut Toy Story 3 so that it looks like all the toys die in lava. Spoiler alert! Sorry. <laughs> and, and then it cuts to the credits. <laughs> Look it up. It was hysterical. That's she, terrible! It was amazing! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I think you need to find that that link and get it up on the web for us. I will work really hard at that right now. <laughs> you see me working really hard? <clears throat> no, I can't see anything because it's a freaking podcast. You know what else is working really hard? Not the lights on Deep Space Nine. Okay. You, can't, you cannot do those kinds of segues. No, I can't. Java can. I know. You can. I'm just not what, that good at them. What's your point? Um, just that there was an interesting article um, from one of the, one of the guys who did actual lighting for Star Trek, and not only was Deep Space Nine thematically darker than the Next Generation, it was actually literally physically darker than the Next Generation. Everything about that show was dark. So the lighting was an actual metaphor for the themology. Um, if by Did you lighting, really just say themology? You mean I that absolutely... darker shows suck? Then yes. <laughs> Deep Space Nine. It was darker because the people were less attractive and less interested <laughs> in yes, Voyager. exactly! Darker because it was the best. You know who's not less attractive? The new Q. I know that we're we're sci-fi podcast, and somebody's about to pull up. What's sci-fi about James Bond? But you know what? Shut oh, up. I was not thinking that Q. Yeah, I know you were thinking we were just talking about. So I was like, new Q. What you talking about? No, James Bond has a new Q. Oh, screw James Bond. Ben Wishaw. And he's adorable. 
people care about that? I do he's... because he's adorable. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't or... either. I've just seen pictures of him. He's a cutesy patootsy. Yeah. Because I'm sure that's what they were going for. No, they are. Seeing him in costume, they were totally going for adorable hipster nerd, and they there, hit it. There is nothing less adorable than a hipster. <laughs> like, yeah, you're you're not there, really selling it. No, like, like I, I cannot I cannot express the amount of frustration that I have at people who are now uh, pretending to be nerds because it's cool. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, but he's like a real nerd. Who looks like a hipster nerd? He's like the, he's the nerd that hipster nerds are emulating. It's adorable. I will have photographic proof in the post. No, you will not. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but if you want, if if they want to do an actual tribute to nerds, the next Q had damn well better have a neck beard. True. Somehow I can't see John Delancey with a neck beard, but that's just me. But you can't. John Delancey was never. Yes, he was. Well, he wasn't. This He's the thing. only cue that mattered. You know what? <laughs> the only cue that matters. Again, the thought of actual human emotions coming into play here. I get it. No <clears throat> way. Who needs that? <laughs> human emotions. Uh, so speaking of no human emotions, R.L. Stein wrote a novel for adult-like people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Take a hard left on that one. So, well, he has no real it? human emotions. He's a creepy motherfucker. Well, we've seen him on TV. He's actually really adorable. No, that was not of- him. That was a simulacrum. <laughs> that was not him. It was on the holodeck. It wasn't actually Yeah, him. no. I refuse to believe that's him. He's actually like a scary little man who just sits in a corner and writes creepy things. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, we, we have a guest on this week who writes incredibly creepy stuff. And he's a very nice guy. We actually had lunch with him two weeks ago. Yeah, well, okay, but like... No offense, Rob, you're not Arl Stein. Like, Gee, thank you. Like, come on. I, I had to sleep with the lights on for a while when I was a kid. You haven't read Rob's new book. Really? I didn't like Arl Stein. Night of the Living Dummy? Come on. Night of the Living Dummy was terrifying. That shit and you know was scary. what the great thing about Night of the Living Dummy was? A couple years later, when that Buffy episode with the ventriloquist dummy was on, oh god, the yes. living dummy made that episode a million times better because I was waiting for something terrifying to happen. Nothing did because it wasn't a very good episode of Buffy, but I thought it was because Night of the Living Dummy had like primed me to be terrified. You know, I was thinking about trying to start watching Buffy again and then I thought, but do I really want to ruin the lovely memories that I have of it? Because I you feel like if I again. I feel like if I try to watch it again it's going to be like, really dated. You know, you know, it's funny because they ran Angel on TNT early mornings for about three, four years and every once in a while when I was channel flipping in the morning, I'd come across them and I'd go, oh, I remember this, this was really good. Oh, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. 
And then you're like, wow, David Boreanaz used to be really skinny. (laughs) (laughs) He did used to be really skinny. He just gained a lot of weight. And actually have some emotions. And that's all I can think about when I try to watch Angel now. Yeah, okay, so we thought he had no emotions when he was on Angel, but now he really has none, speaking of non-human emotions. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm kind of amazed looking back at it now that there actually was a range of emotions in Angel. But we didn't think there was at the time. We just didn't know how unemotional he could get. Yeah, now you're watching him in Bones, and it's like, I'm angry! Shut up! I'm angry! Shut up! And that's it. Yeah. That's that's the whole range of emotion there. It's kind of sad. Which brings us to the kind of sad halfway part in the show, where, because Dead Redhead isn't here this week... Wah-wah... Kriana gets to do the poll again because we know how much she loves to do it. No, I think the dead redhead is here. Hello! Wow. Kriana, you're the only one in the room. Hit yourself. <laughs> no. Anyway, so our poll this week was... Um... What is your favorite sci-fi turkey? And I'm confused because none of the answers are foul. Um, no, the birds by Alfred Hitchcock is not in here. Yeah, no, the, I, I don't like. I don't get what she meant by turkey. But birdemic is actually. Someone want to film a turkey me? is a flop. Well, I don't yeah. get that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was definitely not one. No, 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 no. The the movie. Oh, oh, yeah. The Kirsty Swenson movie, yeah, and it did yeah, yeah. suck. That that was unfortunate. Yeah, well, you know what? There were some really, really good responses here. Were there? Uh, the Ice Pirates. I've never heard of that. What is it? Okay, Ice Pirates is this really, really bad space opera movie where people are dying from space herpes. Awesome. Space herpes. Awesome. <laughs> And I want to thank Rob Lambert for voting for it. Good for him. <laughs> okay. So uh, our third place winner of favorite sci-fi flop was The Green Slime, which I haven't seen. So I'm yes, guessing it was, it was bad, but endearing for some reason. Our number two winner was Flash Gordon, which I also haven't seen, but I saw clips of it in that movie about that foul-mouthed bear. Oh my god, that was the funniest movie ever. <laughs> I have never, I haven't enjoyed any movie as much as that one in maybe six months. I sat there and laughed like an idiot. I was drunk, I'll grant you that. Yeah, but, okay, that explains it. But Ted, I mean, that whole Flash Gordon subplot in that movie was hilarious. Great so, film. That's... Great film. Everybody needs to go out and check out that film on Blu ray. <laughs> You're so obsessed with Blu-rays. <laughs> what is this? My new Blu-ray player, maybe. But that's another story. And what was Not the winner really. of the poll this week? Um, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Was that about birth control? <laughs> plan, no, that plan would be nine. Plan B from Outer Space. Oh, right. Oh, no, no, no. Plan 9 from Outer Space is about <laughs> how alien girls can play sports. Oh. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right with that one too, actually. So there you have it, kids. That was that was the. Pl- 
poll. Next week there will be another poll of some unspecified question. Actually, the next one won't be next week, but well, it might be. But well, we're taking no the show week next off. Week. That's right, we're taking the week off. Screw you guys. Right. We're taking the speaking week off. of turkey. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, that was cute. Go spend time with your families, you losers. Yeah, why are you listening to us on Thanksgiving? <laughs> Seriously, get a life. So about our mother's nine basement. months ago, Rob Watts came to us with a book called Told a Folk. And Rob... He did? He did. Wow. And there's Rob! 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 <laughs> He's been so quiet. Hello, my friends. <clears throat> so we last saw Rob at Rhode Island Comic Con mm-hmm. with everyone else. In the, in the we were the coolest people there, by the we way. We were totally the coolest people there. Well, us, us and the Kiss Forever guys, but yeah, that's a hey, whole. No, you can't leave those guys out, of course. They love you. Can't leave them out of anything. Don't, they they get are your like biggest scary. fans. I guess so. They think you're the best. Well, evidently they're right. But Don't whatever. really hurt their feelings by refusing a second interview. Yeah, yeah. They they noticed that you ducked out without without talking to them, and they were very hurt. Guys, so I'll make it up to you. Uh, <laughs> but I have to wear lifts in my shoes in order to do it. Oh, I don't think you do. Oh, no, I definitely think I do. Anyhow, Rob's first book took place in this place called Cedar Grove. Massachusetts, which is, I guess, an actual place. Yeah. Actual people and and actual graveyards and trolleys running through it. And the book was called Hold the Folk, and it was set half in Cedar Grove and half in Iceland. And that was supposed to be the first book, the first novella of four that would form this larger volume when it was all done. Which comes with a soundtrack, awesomely. And each each of the books comes with their own soundtrack. Awesomely. Which is very awesomely. Awesome uh, sauce. Major. Book two of four is called Crab Apples. And I liked it a lot. Cool. It is, it is, it is creepy in a whole different way than the first one. Well, I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) So, how did you go... I mean, there's... There doesn't seem to be much, if any, correlation between the first book and the second book, and yet it's all supposed to be part of this bigger volume by the time it's done. So, as much as I did like the second book, and I did, and as much as I really liked the first book a lot, which I really did, how the hell did they go together? Um, well, the thing is, each story pretty much takes place within, you know, the, the same universe as the previous one. So, you know, like, this particular one in Crab Apples, um, it pretty much takes place around, you know, the same timeline is when Hold the Folk was happening as well. So I think I'm just trying to paint like this, you know, mosaic story, more or less, where it's just like, you know, you have the two characters from Hold the Folk kind of going through their horrific events. But at the same time, you have, you know, the young 17 year old girl lead character in Crab Apples 
kind of going through, you know, her turn of events and everything. It all pretty much, you know, takes place all, you know, quest in the same neighborhood, Cedar Grove and everything. Yep. But, you know, well, you know, of course, you know, the, pretty much the, the basis of the new book is teenage bullying. So while she's being bullied, you know, you just kind of have to imagine that the two characters, Susie and Jeffrey from Hold the Folk, uh, you know, getting the, uh, the shit scared out of them, you know, in their haunted house or whatever from, uh, you Up know, road, coming back from Iceland and everything. Exactly. But the, you know, my intention was pretty much to not really make it a, a direct continuation of the first book. You know, I, I didn't really want to do the old, you know, well, we last saw our victims and hold the folk, you know, and then, kind of start off and, you know, connecting to it. I, I really wanted to take it in a different direction. And, you know, at the same time, though, I didn't want people to pick it up and kind of be like, oh, no, this isn't what I expected, you know, with like in just complete shock, like expecting to kind of continue on the story from the first book. I really didn't want to do that. I, I really wanted to kind of have each book, more or less a standalone story. So if somebody kind of missed out on Hold the Folk the first time around, they can pick up crab apples and the story will make perfect sense to them without yeah, it, really it, having to read the other one. I mean, hopefully they do, but, you know, I'm I not excluding them. I can vouch for that because I have not yet had a chance to read Hold the Folk and I read crab apples um, and loved it, so... Well, you have 20 minutes to quickly download it on <laughs> Kindle, and you can tell me about it by the end of the show. You know, give me your thoughts. So. <laughs> no, no pressure. Right? No I, pressure. I, I gotta, no, no, no. I've got to tell you that whereas the first book had highs and lows and some very upbeat stuff going on and some very relaxed and happy stuff interspersed with moments of, of terror and haunting and the rest of this. Man, this is a dark little son of a bitch, this one. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my intention, pretty much. I, well, you made that happen. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I started off depressed and got progressively worse as it went on. And I kept, <laughs> I, I kept waiting. There's, there's a couple of points in the book, uh, one in particular when she's walking through town ready to just kind of, you know, walk into traffic and get hit by a car. And she, she happens to uh, meet up with this, this woman, this shopkeeper, blah-blah-blah-blah-blah, don't want to give too much away. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, oh, great, great. Finally, we get to get a little bit of a break here. But no, no, sorry, that's not happening. No, not in my world, you know, sorry. <laughs> well, it was well, a nice... It was a different departure, though. I mean, you know, stylistically, it was very different from the first book. Uh, thematically, very different from the first book. The threads from from the first book did intersperse through it, but damn, it was dark. Oh uh, well, you, you know, know what I loved. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Rob, I'm interrupting nope. you. It's your you're the guest. You should be able to talk. But you're sick, and I need to make sure you're catered to. So, oh, you. you're so sweet. <laughs> I. Just want to say, I love that I'm not telling anyone what they were. You managed to write startle scares into a book. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? That's not, that should not be possible that you jump and go, wow, while you're reading. Yeah, it's but true. But it happens in Crab Apples. I was very impressed with that. Well, thank you. 
I, you know what? I mean, I really didn't try too hard. It wasn't too much of a conscious effort to, you know, make, you know, anybody feel a certain way in the book or, you know, something scare people that, you know, others kind of laugh at. Um, I mean, I've had a few friends that have kind of read Hold the Folk and they say, oh, I can't read these kind of stories. They're, you know, I have to sleep with the lights on and everything. And then, you know, some people say, oh, it was a really good story. It just doesn't scare me, you know, because I don't get scared. But, so, I mean, like with Crab Apples, what I really wanted to do was, I mean, it was it was my intention to kind of write a depressing, dark story. Because, well, you made that part work. <laughs> well, well, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I can make everybody sad this winter, you know. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, it just, I just really don't think that, like, anything fun or, you know, anything comedic really belongs in horror stories. Because in real life, I mean, the things that scare us the most are stuff that just, you know, just, you know, stuff like depression, I mean, is addressed in this book and, and you know, family death and, you know, isolation and just, you know, being an outcast in a new neighborhood. And I mean, that stuff is just, that's true horror that people really endure every day. Um, and I, I really wanted to touch upon that because I, I think it's very relatable. Um, you know, I mean, especially today, I mean, it's, I can't imagine being a, a high school age kid today with even more forms of bullying. You know, I mean, we don't know because we were always the coolest people in high school, right? So, oh, absolutely, we, yeah. yeah, we have no idea what it was like to be bullied, you know, as a child. Um, but I just think, you know, that that's really something that everybody can kind of relate to in one form or another. And that was really my intention with the story was to, you know, get somebody to read it and just right away be sympathetic to this young girl in the story. And I mean, as you said, Dome is like, you know, it looked like, yay, happiness, you know, something good's going to happen. And then unfortunately, you know, without giving anything away, it really doesn't. But, um, so, I mean, I think that's just, you know, horror in its truest sense, you know, just daily life and things that we can't control. We're just kind of like isolated from things and kind of feel helpless. The other thing that I thought, um, well, the, the one thing that you're doing with this whole series is putting a soundtrack together for each book. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought the soundtrack to Hold a Folk was just incredible. Uh, I, I made no bones about that. I absolutely love it. In fact, we use one of the cuts from Hold the Folk for our uh, end theme every week. The soundtrack to this one was as unrelentingly discomforting as the book itself. Uh, again, a, a completely different style of music, a completely different feeling to it. Exactly correct for the tone that you're going for but I, and I didn't like a single cut of it and I listened to the whole thing over and over again and I didn't like it because it depressed me <laughs> <laughs> sorry you, Dom <laughs> no but you know what I'm saying I mean it, it hit the right tone for it mm -hmm. well you know I'm glad to hear you say that because uh, I mean 
again, that was what I was hoping to achieve anyway. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's nice to be getting some feedback at this point about it. And, um, you know, I mean, I was really just trying to aim for making a cinematic kind of feel, you know, my, I guess my inspiration was kind of like going back to like early John Carpenter era movies where, you know, Prince of Darkness, you know, the fog, they the would, fog, you know, yeah. the fog, very ethereal, just moody music that just kind of carried you from scene to scene. And, and that's what I was hoping to achieve, um, on this one. And I just, you know, again, I was aiming for dark and just dreary and, um, you know, just something that would kind of balance the story out and just, you know, give it a little bit more depth and, you know, just to depress you that much more. That was my intention. It, it so. works. <laughs> it absolutely works. Yeah. I, I'm not sure with this one, however, how... I know that there are certain cuts in the CD that are tied to literally specific portions of the book. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the first time I read the book... I did it without the music mm -hmm. because I didn't have the music the first time, actually. <laughs> I didn't have it until a couple of days ago. And I started reading it, uh, kind of actually skimming it the second time through mm -hmm. and moving with the CD with it. And uh, it's a whole different experience that way. Oh, that, I mean, that's awesome. You know, I, yeah, I guess uh, it's my own little version of Wizard of Oz with Dark Side of the Moon in the background. Yes! <laughs> Dark Side of Oz there. Um, yeah. So, are is Crab Apples available yet? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Dylan. Um, it's actually, it'll be starting to go on sale this Tuesday on the 20th. So, um, everybody can pick it up at my website. and Which is robotsonline.com. You got it. Is it really? It actually is, How yes. How do you I know? Think so. Because we say it every damn week. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> and is it is it also going to be available through Amazon and, and things like that? Um, it will be eventually. Uh, right now, it's just going to be exclusive through my website and a couple of other outlets soon enough. Um, and eventually, it will be an ebook after New Year because I want to kind of encourage some physical sales first. Because now, it is limited edition, the 250 copies. And each limited edition of the 250 is numbered and signed, and the CD and book are all part of the same package. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I feel very, very lucky to have copies of your, your first two. Uh, this, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to do this and sell it as a limited edition and then when it's all done put together a, a will it be a compilation or yeah yeah that's that's the plan at this point i i think it's you know the four stories possibly maybe even a few more that you know maybe a too short for print um purposes that will still have something to do with the series and maybe they'll help tie everything in even you know that much better but, you know, when all is said and done, everything will be compiled and kind of come as one collection 
all together, um, which will be more of a mass release. I mean, the, the whole idea with these novellas, it's just, you know, like I said, they're limited edition. I, I really want to make each one of them special as they come out. Um, you know, at this point, I don't know, Hold the Folk came out just under a year ago. And hopefully the third one will be out a little bit sooner. Um, that was going to be my next took. question. Is at what point is this quadrology done? Um, I would say, I mean, don't hold me to it, but I'm thinking toward the end of 2013. Because the, I mean, the third one is actually already done. It's wrapped up and you it'll be ready to go. This time yes. next year, folks. Yep. Maybe even sooner. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. No. <laughs> Not me. I'm as cool as a cucumber, too, you know, so. So, okay, can, let's backtrack just a little bit then. Mm -hmm. Because as long as, when I met you, oh gosh, almost uh, a year and a half ago now, mm -hmm. um, you were talking about the first book coming out. When we were talking did you actually have all four books kind of set out or at least you know plotted out to some degree um, yeah a little bit um, I, I had these little kind of treatments written and you know you know over the course of time and everything some of them looked like they were a good idea at one point and then you know, just really didn't work. So, I mean, something like crab apples. I actually had, um, how can I say this without giving anything away? Um, you, the the um, part where she's sitting in the store, kind of telling her tales of woe about mm -hmm. her family and everything. I mean, that's pretty much where crab apples stemmed from, just that one depressing moment. And it kind of grew from there. And, you know, don't ask me why. I mean, I don't know what that says about me as a person that I really <laughs> wanted to take a really depressing moment for someone and make a whole story of it. But, um, so, I mean, that's just kind of how I write. I mean, when I did Hold the Folk, I, it all it kind of started as just an Icelandic story. I, I didn't really know that I was going to be doing this whole Cedar Grove series. And, you know, so that was a different type of story at one point. And, it, it, but shortly after that, when I started, you know, getting Hull to Folk together it, it, the way I wanted it, I realized, you know what, I really want to expand this whole, like, Cedar Grove universe and just write a, a big story about just, like, a bad month in one year. Yeah, like, no shit. Oh where everything God. bad just really happens to people in the same neighborhood, um, of course, in different ways, you know, it could be you know, Icelandic trolls and then high school bullies. And then the third one, of course, will, you know, hopefully I achieve the same thing I did with crab apples was just tell a good story, but really take it in a different direction from the first two. And, you know, I, I, like I said, the third one's pretty much done. And at, at that point, I, I think at this point, I know exactly where I'm going with it and how I want it all to wrap up. I don't think I asked you this last time when we were talking about Hold of Hope, but at what point during the writing process do you go, I need to put, 
music to this. <laughs> I mean, where did where did that where does that happen? And once it happens, how does it happen? Um, you know what I, I if I really think back to it, I, I think it was just I had most of the story written, and I I think I was driving one day. <laughs> And I mean, I'm sorry, but this is just how my mind works. I just, it probably sitting at a red light in the rain or whatever. I'm like, you know what? I think the book needs a soundtrack. So I think I should start, I should go home and start fiddling around with some sounds and music and everything and see what happens. And I think at one point I was just, you know, settling on maybe like a song for, for the book. Like I feel, you know, I'll put like a, kind of a um, trippy sounding song or a couple of songs together and just add it to the book. And it just as it progressed, I was just like, okay, now I need to make four songs. And eventually it was just like, okay, I got 12 songs and I'm going to, you know, add this all to the book. And, and then it just got crazier and out of control. I'm like, okay, now I need a whole album cover designed for a separate CD that comes with the book. <laughs> I, and, and I, I sometimes I kick myself because I'm like, why do I put these hurdles in front of myself? It's you know, it's tough enough trying to complete a book. And exactly, it, but you're you're completing a book and an entire album at the same time, as well as in, in the case of Hold of Folk, creating this sham uh, group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the traffic lights there, and, and yeah, I mean. Of course, now I'm I'm stuck with it. I I have to commit to making albums with every yeah, one of the books. You're committed to two more albums at this yeah. point. <laughs> you know, I, I you know I get a lot of work ahead of me on this, but I mean it's fun though. It, it's just a way to really you know differ from other books and stuff. And I mean, I just I did a book signing this past Sunday down in Danvers, Mass, and. Um, I actually debuted the book this weekend physically, you know, for the first time and people were coming up asking, you know, what's this, you know, what's the, the CD all about? And when I would tell them, you know, oh, it's a soundtrack and, you know, it's a fictional band that comes with this book and this one comes with a CD in the back of it. I mean, they were just like, they either looked at me like, wow, that's like just so incredible. Or some people would look at me like I just killed their grandmother. It was, <laughs> you know, just a... But you know what? I'll take either reaction because it's just something they never thought of or heard of before. It's it's, it's rarely done where people actually. I mean, I know some people have made music that went with included with books, but really had nothing to do with the book. It was just an excuse to kind of sell more product. You know, you know, a lot of mainstream books. You know, big publishing companies and stuff. But with me, you know, I, I really like in Hall of the Folk, I wanted a fictional band inside of the book, an Icelandic band, and I wanted that Icelandic band to have its own album of music. And with Crab Apples, I really wanted to just create this whole cinematic tone for the story. And, you know, it, and it's good for me, too. It just it, it keeps me a little bit more focused on the whole story in general and being able to tie it up, you know, just properly for the reader and, and just give them something a little extra for their money that, but in, you know, in each the, case, the book has come first, then the music. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, 
I yeah, I'd be interested in actually making an album and then writing a book to it. Um, you know, but who knows? It that, would fourth, be. that fourth one, maybe you're onto something. Do I, I, I hear challenge talk. accepted? Um, <laughs> how's that? <laughs> I'm not going to say a word on the show. So. Uh-huh. I think that's fair. Yes. The book is called Crab Apples. It's the second book in the series by Rob Watts. The story of a young girl, 17-year-old Kathleen, in the town of Cedar Grove, Massachusetts. No spoilers. It's not a spoiler. Just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Illustrator X. <laughs> Ouch. Hello. You kids, get <laughs> off my lawn. I was, I was Illustrator X there for hello. There you go. Rob, mm. thank you for joining with us again. Thank uh, you there's for having me again. Sometime this week for Crab Apples, it will be a no spoiler review. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining us again. Hey, yeah. Zombrarian. Yeah. What's going on next week? Thanksgiving, bitches. Oh, that's right. There's no show next week. <laughs> There's no show. Go eat turkey and watch some of that American football stuff. I think we can do that. There's going to be a parade with Santa. Unbelievable. I know that guy. King of sci-fi, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> sci-fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite State Comic Con, and Comic Art House. Say hi to Bob and Kim when you go there. And tell them we sent you. Wow, Sci-fi that was started. almost good. Hey, I'm getting there. You know what? I don't have the damn script. I'm making it up as we go along. <laughs> you'd think you'd know it by now. I've never done it. Why would I know it now? As opposed you to clearly before. don't listen to anything anyone says. Absolutely not. What's that guy's name again? Anyway. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> My theme music is provided by Rob Watts. From Rob Watts online.com Okay, but no, it's the traffic lights. <sighs> and there will be other stuff as well. I'm going to hire them for my holly- holiday party. Awesome! <laughs> I want to thank our cast for joining us tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and Grammar Girl Zombrarian. Yeah, about that. I have met Illustrator X, and you, sir, are <laughs> no Illustrator X. He sounds like this. Hello! <laughs> From Outpost Gallifrey, our gaming editor, Awake by Java, thanks for joining us, my friend. It was nice to meet. And this is Dome saying, <laughs> Genie, shared pain is lesson, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. I know.